Welcome to the Deptford Cinema Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Deptford Cinema Podcast. My name is Charlotte and my name's Maria. And today we're going to do a, a podcast about two different horror films um, that we've each introduced each other to. Yes, uh, the film I chose to show to Charlotte is called The Baby. And the film that I chose to show to Maria is House, uh, the Japanese cult film from the 70s. So to let you know a little bit more about the film House, which is from 1977, um, the plot centres around uh, a young Japanese schoolgirl who goes to visit her auntie on summer holiday with some of her friends. And there's some extreme supernatural things that happen. Won't tell you the ending to not spoil it. But she goes to her aunt's house and it soon becomes very clear that her auntie and the house are very, very strange indeed. Um, right, so I had heard about this film uh, first time like a couple of years ago, but I never actually seen it till Charlotte showed it to me uh, a few weeks ago. It is utterly bonkers and I love it. So, um, yeah. I... <laughs> it's kind of bonkers because apparently uh, the idea for the film was um, taken from ideas from the director of um, his discussions with his preteen daughter who just came up with loads of strange ideas and um, she just came up with all of these bonkers ideas and he put them in the film. Yeah, so like I, I did a bit of digging um, for some yeah behind the scenes production stuff. So yeah, like he got the ideas from his daughter um, then he got uh, someone else to write to actually write the screenplay written by a guy called Chiho Katsura and then it got script got greenlit by the studio called Toho but it was uh, uh, so bonkers that nobody nobody basically wanted to direct it like it was it was completely untouchable um and it pretty much the film was on hold for a couple of years and during that time Obayashi he basically spent his time promoting the film until the studio gave him permission to direct it. so Initially, um, the, the, the studio were asking for a film that was very similar to Jaws, the American film. Um, so they approached the director, Obigashi, to make a film very similar to Jaws. But, um, yeah, through, through conversations with his daughter, it kind of went off on a tangent, I guess. Um, and the quote is that children can come up with things that can't be explained. And yeah, he, he really loved the ideas that she came up with and so went on off on this tangent about um supernatural house inhabited by um a very, very strange older lady. And her cat called Snowy. And her cat called Snowy, yeah. Um, um what are your favourite parts about the film? Uh I mean I, I like all the nicknames that they gave all the girls. Um it was like like it was kind of like a really early version of the Spice Girls, wasn't it? Yeah, because they were named after their attributes. Yeah, so Angel was the the main the main protagonist. Um, 
and everybody was like, oh, you're so beautiful. You know, that whole, yeah, she she looked like an angel. Um, and then you had Fantasy, who basically everyone took the piss out of her because she was constantly daydreaming. Um, and, yeah, in the, well, once they get to the house, the, 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 the weird auntie starts to fuck with her because basically, you know, she realizes that this girl sees a lot of things and nobody believes her. Um, and then you have Professor, who's your, you know, every group's got to have the token nerd, um, who only believes in facts, doesn't believe in supernatural. Yeah. Um, then there's Melody, the musical one. I mean, her name kind of says it all. You know, she's carrying a guitar in the beginning of the film. She ends up playing the piano uh, while at the auntie's house. Um, it's, a, it's a hilarious effect. <laughs> With hilarious consequences. Yeah. <laughs> hilarious and horrific consequences. And then there's Kung Fu, who it turns out she's actually, she just basically is always breaking out into like fighting moves. And they actually say in the, in the, in the subtitles, you know, like she's doing karate. I don't know why they call her Kung Fu though, but. Yeah. Um, and then there's Mac, who when I originally saw the film, I thought, well, basically she's the girl that's always eaten and eaten snacks, and I assumed it was related to mac and cheese, just because I'm obsessed with mac and cheese. But it turns out mac is short for stomach, and they're they're constantly taking the piss out of her for eating and you know her constant appetite which i don't i don't see what the problem is no, you know I. um <laughs> i love snacking um you know there's nothing wrong with that um yeah to the point that when she goes missing that's not going to ruin too much for you guys when she does go missing they think she's gone out to like the potato potatoes. <laughs> so what's she going to do? She's going to eat them raw out of Yeah, the like, oh, she's got some potato fields. possibly be because, that hungry. You know, she likes baked potatoes. Like, okay. like, um, And then the, the last girl, I mean, you know, she's called Sweetie. And I just... I don't. I don't know what her what her thing is, other than she was always the one volunteering to clean. So, like, she she's, you know, I mean... There's seven girls. There's always that random one that you're like, what do you actually do? Yeah. So, so yeah, her name's Sweetie. Um, which, which one of the Spice Girls would that have been? Posh Spice. What yeah. do you actually do? Yeah. <laughs> um, and Sporty Spice would have been the Kung Fu one. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, Angel would have been... Oh, Baby Spice. One? Baby Spice. And... Forgetting who all the Spice Girls are now. Um, I think Mac would have been Scary Spice. Scary Spice. Yeah, she does do a bit of Kung Fu as well. But um, yeah, she's definitely, Scary Spice definitely isn't a nerd or a daydreamer. Well, yeah, I think also Scary Spice, like the, the idea she was, I mean, for me, like that she was scary because, you know, she had this wild, like, hair and... <laughs> Whereas and Mac, she just eats a lot. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, my favorite part, I would have to say, is the infamous piano part. I think that is the peak. That's the pinnacle of the film. 
and it kind of it goes crazy crazy after that but like that particular scene is the is the best scene for me i okay so like i okay i don't want to spoil it but the you know you mentioned like mac is one of the first girls to go missing um god no like i can't you can't say it without ruining it. Yeah, so okay. it, it basically it's the the subsequent scenes after Mac has gone missing. If someone gets bitten on the bum, yeah, it's quite cheeky. Yeah. Um. Oh. Yeah. No. The, like the the other the other one that I like because it makes absolutely no fucking sense is also a bit of a spoiler, but it's mo- it's more towards the end and basically relates to like. Their their teacher, Mister Toga. So like all these all these broads are lusting after the this most basic nerdy looking teacher that they were supposed to spend originally spend the summer holidays with uh, and go camping, um, and then basically they they were supposed to go camping like somewhere near where his sister lives, but sister's about to have a baby, so. They, you know, the camping trip got cancelled. Then Angel all invited them to her auntie's house. And then, I don't know, I can't remember why he got invited to come to come down to auntie's house. I just find it all a bit... It's kind of creepy, isn't it? Like, why, why are they inviting that grown man to come and hang out with them? It's Yeah, it's all it's all a bit suspect. But, um, yeah, one of, one, of, one of my other favourite scenes involves him towards the end, but... I know the scene. I know the scene you mean. Does it yeah. involve bananas? Yes. Okay. Funnily enough, you mention him because uh, the reason he's in the film, he's actually a country music singer called uh, Kiyohiko Ozaki, and he was cast because he's friends with the director through their shared hobby of horseback riding. Okay. Um, Did he have any songs in the? Well, then, like, I, I'm pretty sure film. that his songs are in the film. Okay. Although I didn't dig deep enough to find out, actually. But um, it wouldn't surprise me if he was actually singing the songs in the film, if he's in the film. Um, another bit that kind of ties into my favourite part is that um, the way that they managed to film certain parts of that was to um, use um, blue paint, on different parts of the actress and then used blue screen chroma key effect. And I think that was probably like the earliest kind of version of chroma key. Okay. Um, and to be honest, I think that the effects are really are really quite advanced, although it says uh, on the Wikipedia page that they were deliberately done to look kind of childlike and unrealistic Yeah. as a, as a nod back to the origin of the film. Yeah. Where the ideas came from, and it's kind of, it's supposed to invoke a dreamlike mm-hmm. like uh, atmosphere by doing that. Yeah. So various different stuff. It definitely has like a a kind of comic book vibe. Like it reminds me of the old um, Batman TV shows, <laughs> but like the, the the pow and the bang, and yeah, probably not as. Well, a bit more, a bit more intense and just a bit more wacky. Yeah, I mean, it's um, in some ways, it's kind of what's that Beatles film where they turn into? I think have you seen Yellow Submarine? No. So in the Beatles film Yellow Submarine, or in whatever uh, uh, the music video, uh, like 
there's a mixture. I think there's a mixture of live action and animation. Okay. And with this film, they kind of like cut between the animation of the train and mm-hmm. stuff like that to real life. Um, I think that was quite big in the seventies, actually, because I, I kind of remember there being other films where it cuts from reality to animation. An interesting way that they merge the the different styles together. But it's kind of cohesive. It kind of works, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, what is it? They classify it as like a comedy horror. Uh, but it's just so, I, I, I'm not a big fan of co- horror comedy, comedy horror. But it's just so goddamn joyful. Yeah. And it just, it just puts a smile on my face because it's just so nuts. It's so psychedelic. I think, you, like, it's it's not, it's not funny because the stuff that's said, it's just like the fact that it's so out there. Yeah. Is is amusing. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's let's move on to the baby. Um so it's a nineteen seventy-three American horror thriller film directed by Ted Post, written by Abe Polsky. It tells the story of a social worker who investigates an eccentric family, which includes baby a 21 year old man who acts like an infant (laughs) um i first discovered this film back in 2018 i was listening to an arrow video podcast and they basically re-released the film um i had never heard of it this was around the time when i was dipping my toe back into like watching horror films and any old weird exploitation films from the 60s, 70s. Uh, and it the, the premise just sounded completely nuts. So I found a copy on YouTube. I was watching it in bed while I was off sick from work, and I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Understandable. Is this film, I can't believe this was made... I mean, it would never get made now, but like looking back on it, it's like, yeah, I'm not surprised it got made back in 1973. Um, you know, it was a time where you, that was the only time you can get away with doing a story about a, a grown man still in diapers. And it's not a played for like shits and giggles and it's not some weird sexual fetish. like. <laughs> I had so many misgivings about this film when you suggested it. I was like, just the name and the brief summary. I was like, oh, my God, I don't think I want to watch this film because I can't unsee stuff. I just got so many weird images coming into my mind. And um, it was completely unexpected what the film was actually like. It's funny that you mentioned that it's not played for laughs because the the, the actor that plays the baby yeah. He's acting his little heart out, isn't he? Yeah. He's really going for it. He's really taking the part so seriously. But like the fact that he does, it actually it does actually really work. Well, I I quite like the fact that there so there's a scene in the film where um they they're celebrating baby's birthday and the 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 matriarch of the family. So there's a mother and she's got two older daughters and a baby who's the son. Um, and they're celebrating his birthday, you know, and he's dressed like little Lord Falteroy, 
is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, she's invited all her, like, swinging hippie friends, and they're all, like, they're all there to just hang out and have cake. And, you know, talking about what a great mom she is. <laughs> and, you know, they're, like, they're not treating him like some sort of, you know, weirdo. You, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, they're not like, well, why is he still, you know? Yeah. It's just like, that's baby. They're all hip to it. Yeah. They're all like, yep, he's baby. Um, 21-year-old baby. I think, like, what's interesting about the film, though, is the mother is, she's kind of, that character really reminds me of uh, Stockard Channing's character in Greece. Yeah. There's so many similarities there. I mean, if she, if she was in a different film, you could easily imagine her playing a, a biker chick. Yeah. So she's not like your your typical run-of-the-mill 70s housewife. Well, no. Like, I mean, I think, yeah, so she's... She's basically a single mom. E each of her kids has had a, a different dad. And, um, yeah, like, I think probably one of the reasons why she's kind of kept baby as a baby is a sort of payback for the fact that, like, the dad just upped and left. And they were like, well, they're going to punish. Well, this is what the, the, the social worker kind of says uh, in, in one of the scenes to... To another social worker, how, you know, they're kind of using him as, you know, treating him like a baby as payback for for the her last husband leaving, and which I, I don't... Because yeah. it, it, it becomes really obvious that they depend on the income that they get from the state for baby yeah. to exist. None of those guys have jobs. No. And that income is pretty much the only income that they have. Um, and it's kind of implied, it's implied earlier on in the film that um, they're, they're not doing anything to try and help him develop beyond that stage. And if anything, they discourage it. Yeah. Sometimes with force, which is uh, shocking. Yeah. That, that's not pleasant to watch. That's not pleasant to watch. And there's... Um, they're like the the way that I thought the the this is why I thought the film was going to go in one direction, but it went in a completely different direction. I was perhaps toying with the idea that um, he was f fully functional in some capacity yeah. behind that facade. Okay. Um, it didn't go the way I thought it was going to. I mean, I'm. I'm glad it didn't go that way because it would have just been too fucking weird. I, just, I, just, I, think I, mean, I was expecting it to jump the shark, and it didn't jump the shark. Yeah. It was kind of like it was it was consistent, but it was still kind of like um, surprising, surprising turn of events at the end. So, like, all right. So apparently, I mean, as as weird as that plot line sounds. Um, where is it in my notes? So when it first came out in the UK in 1973, it got an X rating, which I'm not surprised because you guys was, I mean, it was probably before the whole video nasty thing, but even that was just too weird for your British senses. So. Yeah. 
and I think there is like a, a 15 rated version. Um, but I don't, I mean, I can't possibly, I think the, the version that's out now must be its original. I don't think anything else was, was cut from I mean, the film. Watching it now, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem that horrific. I mean, it's mostly psychological. Yeah. That the parts that are kind of like unnerving about the film, but there isn't even there isn't really a whole lot of um, violence. No, when you think about it, it's it's more towards the end, which yeah. we're not gonna, <laughs> which we're not gonna spoil. But yeah, like it, and also like the marketing for the film. So the on on the tagline on the poster is three four three four close the door. Uh, what goes in, what goes on in this nursery, isn't for kids. That makes it sound terrible. Yeah, that makes it sound like a weird, weird porno flick, um, which I'm sure there probably is from back in those days. Uh, and then the the last bit of the tagline, it's like there shall be mayhem wherever he goes, but he doesn't. He doesn't create any mayhem. mayhem. No. It's it's basically the 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 women around him so his mom his two sisters and and the the social worker um and yeah so um i can give some random facts about some of the cast i haven't mentioned um, uh, yeah cool um i'm just gonna kind of double back onto house because okay. i've just realized that um uh there's some information on how it kind of became a cult film okay um, so, uh, it wasn't officially screened in the United States until the distribution rights were bought by, uh, Janus Films, mm-hmm. um, to be released as part of their Eclipse line of DVDs. Mm-hmm. The Eclipse brand was originally conceived as a possible sub-label for cult films released by the Criterion Collection. Mm-hmm. Um, they soon got requests from theatres, uh, for, to be able to do theatrical screenings of the film. Mm-hmm. And so they initiated a small tour of theatrical showings, including two sold-out shows at the 2009, so that's like a long time later, New York Asian Film Festival. And in January 2010, a remastered print of House by Janice began being shown theatrically across North America, with the first of the showings taking place at the IFC Centre in New York. and in terms of being released in um, the United Kingdom, obviously it came over to DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't until uh, October uh, 2010. So oh, the whole yeah. time it was just like we, we'd never heard of the film. And it just kind of like, yeah, it took a really, really long t- time to get over here. I'm, wond- I'm wondering why it took so long. It just seems like certain things are just hard to find here in the UK or there isn't a market for distribution because there have been some really hard to find female directed horror films I was trying to watch uh, back in February for Women in Horror Month I I can't find even DVDs anywhere you know like yeah yeah, so uh, Slant Magazine gave the film three stars out of four, calling it equal parts brilliant, baffling, ridiculous, and unwatchable. <laughs> and the New York 
Post gave the film three and a half stars out of four, praising the film's originality, comparing it to the work of directors Dario Argento and Guy Madden. So there you go. I don't know about Dario Argento. No, I don't, I think maybe just uh, in terms of the vivid colour colour yeah. scheme, but like not really anything apart from that. Kind of polar opposites with a similar look, I think. So, uh, going back to the baby, I don't know much about Rotten Tomatoes, Tomatoes, uh, <laughs> um, but it's got a 93% tomato meter, oh, wow. um, 53% audience score, uh, I don't know. Oh, that's weird, that's, that's low. Yeah, well, I, anyway, I, I don't understand any of that, but... That doesn't make any sense. Um, so... The cast stars Anjanette Comer as Anne Gentry, who's the social worker, Ruth Roman, who's Mrs. Wadsworth, baby's mother, Mariana Hill, who is his older sister, Jermaine, Suzanne, and I can't read my handwriting, Zenner, as Alba, his uh, other older sister, and David Manzi as the titular baby. Um, he doesn't have a name. They just call him baby. Yeah. Uh, and then some random facts about each of the, the main cast. So the actress, Anjanette Comer, um, she was in a cult Mexican film, which I'm now intrigued uh, and going to try and find it online, uh, called Night of a Thousand Cast. And um, Ruth Roman, who plays the mother, um, she did a low, she was part of the whole, like, Hollywood, uh, studio system. I think she was originally with Warner Brothers and then Universal. The loaded TV work has a star in Hollywood Walk of Fame. Had a small role in one of my favorite Rita Hayworth films, Gilda, which now I want to go back and watch, if I can spot her. <laughs> and she was in one of the main female leads in Hitchcock, Strangers on the Train. Mm. Um, and then Mariana Hill, who plays Jermaine, the oldest sister, um, she also was in another cult horror film from 1973 called Messiah of Evil, um, which you can find on YouTube. Um, I have mixed feelings about that film, but it look, it looks brilliant. I might watch it again. Um, see if I change my mind. She infamously played Fredo's wife in The Godfather Part 2. And um, eventually she became an acting teacher, moved to London, still lives here, and teaches acting privately. So, mm. and let's not forget um, David Manzi, who, who played the baby. Uh, so, so, yeah, his, his research into to playing this role included spending as much time as he could around babies. Um, and then, yeah, so just immersing himself in the world of being around babies, how babies be acting, yeah. that kind of thing. And also, he was 32 at the time, so to... Oh, God. <laughs> wow. You don't need to appear... I thought he looked a lot older than 21, to be really yeah. honest with you. I, I mean... Just like, wow, people aged a lot in the 70s. Yeah, <laughs> but he, he basically, he, he thought in order to make himself look younger, he, he shaped, 
part from his the hair on his head, he shaved himself from from the neck downwards. Um, I I don't know. Well, yeah, I guess you can't really have um, a twenty one year year old hairy baby. Yeah, uh, and I'm, he probably had a massive amount of hair if it was necessary to shave him. Yeah, like yeah, that would have not been that would have thrown you out of the film. Yeah, too much. Because then it would have just looked like a guy um, indulging in, in his baby fetish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got a few random facts about um, House. Okay. Uh, so none of the seven young actresses who portray the group of friends who visit the house were trained film actresses. Okay. Uh, the young ladies were models who'd worked with the director. Uh, there's only one true veteran of the big screen to appear in the film, which was Yoko Minamida, who played the auntie. Uh, despite achieving unexpected commercial and critical success upon release in Japan, the film was rarely seen in the United States until 2009, which yeah. is when uh, Janus took it over. Um, once the film appeared in DVD collection available to the West, American audience members began to, to clamour uh, to see screenings of the film. And it's since received overwhelmingly positive reviews from American audiences. Um, interestingly, the Japanese rock band Godego have a brief cameo in the film as the men who flirt with the girls at Tokyo Station. Uh, near the beginning of the film, the girl's father returns home and remarks that Leone likes his music better than Maracone's, a reference to the famous Italian composer. Ooh. Uh, and also that um, the chroma key effect, mm -hmm. uh, it seems that um, that was the first time that chroma key effect was even used in um, a Japanese film. Okay. So according to director uh, Obayashi, this is the first Japanese film to use video effects, uh, which he applied in the scene I mentioned earlier about putting blue paint onto the actress, okay. make certain parts of them invisible. So there you go. Oh, I've got one last bit about the director for the baby, uh, Ted Post. Um, so before he started doing films, he directed a lot of episodes of different TV series in the States, like Columbo, Twilight Zone, Perry Mason, and Peyton Place. A lot of those way before my time, although I've, I love Columbo and Twilight Zone. Um, other films that you he's directed that are probably his most famous ones are were the two Clint Eastwood films. One's called Hang 'em High, and the other one's called Magnum Forest. And then he also did Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was yeah, it was great to watch Baby, and I'm glad you enjoyed watching House. Uh, so next time we're going to introduce each other to two other films. Yeah. We haven't decided yet. Haven't decided what yet, but um, yeah, um, keep an eye out for the next uh, version of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Deptford Cinema Podcast. For more information about our current online activities, please visit our website, www.deptfordcinema.org. Deptford Cinema. Deptford Cinema, the right place for film lovers.